Hi, I'm Mike, a working dad of two wee boys. And I'm Paul Campbell, also a working dad of two little lads. This is Balancing Dads, a podcast that assumes it's normal for working dads to be present in their kids' lives. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hi, Mike. How's it going? It's late in Dublin. Yes, we're doing a special late night episode because we have a very exciting guest. Tom, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello. My name is Tom Warner, and I'm really excited to be on this podcast. I've known that Paul and Mike have been doing this for a little while, and I have a lot to say about children and work. So what children do you have? I have three children with my wife. Uh, we have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and a one-year-old. He's 14 months. All boys, right? All three boys, yes. <sighs> Wow, nice. I don't, are, you, are you done with three, do you think? Or is there that's, potential for... That's the plan. That's certainly the plan. Our, our kids have a really strange reaction to Nurofen, which is the UK ibuprofen brand. And we gave it to our, our first kid when he was nine months old, and his temperature dropped to 33 degrees C... Uh, whatever that is in, in, in Fahrenheit. That is Cold. 91 degrees, which is... 91? Right, right, right. So we're like, oh shit, our kid is uh, like really cold. <laughs> and uh, we called the UK health hotline and they said, get him to an A&E. And we took him in and he, we, like the Care Bears movie was on. We saw it four times. The nurses wrapped him in blankets. He was just cold. He was smiling at people. He was like personable. He was super, super happy. Uh, 91 degree temperature and he was just cold he was just cold so the doctor saw him and she was like well normally we'd keep him in but he seems fine he's just cold (laughs) i think there's a difference between being just cold and having a cold temperature of 91 (laughs) degrees i swear to god that some of the thermometers didn't even work because it was too they didn't go down that low (laughs) so so, so, so five hours in A and E, and we're we're checked out. We're sent home, and we just don't ever give him ibuprofen again. Fast forward three years, and our nine-month-old, our current nine-month-old, number two, has a fever on Sunday night, two nights ago, and we give him. We call the health line, and they say, "Hey, give him Nurofen. He'll be really happy if you give him Nurofen." That night, at Monday, Monday night, or sorry, that night, midnight, wife walks into the room and. The kid is 34 degrees. Are you We're serious? Like, what is this no, genetic? Does this, this happen to you? Does this happen to you, Paul? 93F. Does, no, we've never we've never heard of it. Back three years ago, we looked it up, and there were no recorded cases on the internet that we could find of this. There were like some like spiritual sites who said, "Don't worry about it; it can happen." Um, since then, apparently, there have been a couple of, couple of published cases. In fact, a month before it happened to our uh, then nine month old, it had been reported in some journal that a three year old had been had been in, and she had had norepinephrine uh, or ibuprofen, and her temperature dropped to thirty three degrees. It's it's just a random rare thing with ibuprofen that is so rare that it's not even listed as a side effect, and both oh. our kids have it. If they ever get a really high fever, I suppose you've got a trick you can pull out and get their yeah, fever down. Like, we wanted to bring it down to normal, not a type of hypothermia. Well, but it's better. So presumably, though, it's better to be at that temperature than it is to be at like 106. 
I don't think so. I think that we have a sociological fear of high temperatures. Yeah, we have a sociological fear because you get brain damage. Really? <laughs> no. You, the, the virus doesn't multiply if it's if you're warm. I was I saw this on SciShow Kids. Yeah, but it's got to be it's got to be really high though. Like when you get too hot, it does. I've heard. I have anecdotes. I, I'm going to defer to the doctors on this rather than my random Dublin-based <laughs> what, what? tech. I am not a founder. doctor. <laughs> I, mean, I am not a doctor. So it seems like so. Forty degrees is our like oh that's super high, but hundred which is hundred and four. So if it's like below that, that just means the kid is getting rid of the virus. Right. Even, yeah, that's totally yeah. fine. I'm talking about when you get up to like 106, 107, like that. That's dangerous. Forty, yeah, for, that's forty-two. Yeah, I've I've never seen forty-two. That's that's. Well, most that's, people don't, right? That's I mean, that's that's super rare. But if you that's get up I'm, in those, that's when I'm cracking out the neurofed. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You've got like you can like instantly, boom, you're good to go. Sweet. Problem solved. Yeah, perfect. How do you two give your kids medicine? Because let me tell you, giving kids medicine is one of the more difficult things that Mm -hmm. that i've had to do and it usually ends up on the floor and it's always like pink like bright pink or something right and it doesn't come out of anything do you have any special techniques i gave the deadly dose and i what i did was it's a nine month old and he he was biting down on the little syringe tool do you get little syringe tools yeah oh yeah yeah the little syringe tool that you the syringes are the best right like you can't with a with a little one like trying to give them yeah a spoon of it or a little cup of it's not gonna work you can try to sneak it into their milk maybe but they usually know right and then if they don't finish the milk like this kid he's he's not finishing his milk um the guidance is to get it into the cheek but uh this kid was was wasn't open in his mouth so (laughs) i was he likes drinking water out of a little sippy cup so i was putting the water up to his mouth and then he would open his mouth to go for the sippy cup and then i shoved the syringe into his cheek and (laughs) squirted it in and then I, I leaned him back so that he, he, he had to swallow it and it wouldn't go forward. I was so efficient at getting it in and then we regretted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I, I don't really subscribe to violence against children, but I, you know, it's when you, when you have to get the medicine in, I just like pin them on the floor and just like f- brute force it in there until it goes in. You could maybe use, um, it, so giving medicine to kids to me is, is sometimes a little bit like giving medicine to cats, if you've ever had mm, to do that, mm, right? Mm. Like, they're like, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get a towel, and mm-hmm. you're going to trap your, your cat, and you're going to wrap them in mm-hmm. this towel so they can't, you know, claw your eyes out. And then you're going to, like, take your mm-hmm. fingers around the, mm-hmm. the sides of their mouth and, like, kind of press at the, <laughs> at the backs of their mouth from both sides, which makes them open their mouth. And then you're going to take that syringe, and you're going to, like, boom. Get it in there, and then you're gonna kind of like hold their mouth closed, and they're gonna like, what are you gonna do? Like, you have to swallow at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying that's the technique this that is, I use. This is for your own with good. With my God. children, <laughs> although I've come, I think, very close to using um, that technique. Have you ever? Uh, two, two two part question. One, what do you use for snot removal? And two, have you ever used a saline solution squirter up the nose? So, two-part answer. <laughs> we have this thing that we have used that is like the most gross thing you could possibly imagine. Is it's it called a, a snot sucker. And yep, yes. we also have them. So that idea is just so repulsive, right? You're like, let me let me have a tube and I'm stuck it stuck it up the kid's nose and then I'm just gonna like suck the snot right out. I mean, 
you've got to figure that like at least some of that snot is atomizing and like going into your lungs, right? Like you can put whatever little foam filter in there that you want, but like I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Like oh, no. it's, you're basically just inhaling their snot. But it is, it is quite effective, as you would imagine. If ever there was a leading question on a dad podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I stopped worrying about that once I realized, like, my chemist friend explained to me how, like, all smells work. And it's basically the same thing. So it's like when you when you smell, like, a kid's shit, that is just, like, little yeah. bits of shit in right. your nose. Poop so particles like, yeah, in your lungs. Whatever. Oh. Yeah, what are you going to do? Oh. I mean, it's not all necessarily particulate. It could be gaseous. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Paul, part part two. I we have not really done the saline solutions. They're one. It's wonderful, but it, it's like you gotta wrap the kid like a wrestler hold, and then it's like they say two seconds. You're squirting swalted water up the nose for two seconds. It's intense. Yikes. And then it's like a. It's like you know those videos uh, where you put Mentos in a in a soda pop bottle and it explodes. <laughs> it's like that's it's basically like that, huh? the result of squirting salt water up a baby, a baby with a cold nose. <laughs> so yes, you better go have a towel ready. But super effective, great for bedtime. So I'm just a big fan of like over here. We've got like albus oil. It's I guess you know one of those essential oil things that you know that they use in vapor rubs or whatever to kind of you know decongest you. And when the little ones have got a cold or whatever, I just like spray that shit all over their bed as if it's like holy water or whatever so that the room <laughs> smells like a Swedish sauna and yeah and it seems to do the job and yeah and also like fill their bath with the stuff and things as well so they go into the bath like a snotty mess and they come out like you know decongested and breathing and everything like that so that's that's my snot prevention technique yeah we, we do sometimes use like mentholatum or something I'm always a little dubious at the effectiveness though but I guess we mostly just, I don't know, we don't do a lot of intervention for kind of snot-nosed kids. Like, our, our middle child is really, like, pro-level at the, the snot sneeze, where he's like, all right, I got to sneeze. Boom, he sneezes. And then there's just, like, two waterfalls of snot coming out his nose. And, like, he's totally oblivious. Which is great, because then you can like actually have a chance to get in there with a Kleenex. You're like, whoa, 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 don't move, don't move. Where's the Kleenex? Ah, oh, Christ, where is it? And then you can grab it. Whereas our older, our older child will immediately, immediately just wipe it completely all over his arm. Uh, uh, Can't get at him. Uh, uh. So, Mike, you work for GitHub. Did GitHub? I know about GitHub. Great company. Mike. Was there ever anything you wanted to ask Tom in the parenting realm specifically about GitHub? Oh, now's your chance. I figured, Tom, you being one of the founders and a founder with kids, that you might have had some involvement with GitHub's fairly generous paternity leave and maternity leave policy that we've talked about on this podcast before. So I, I'd be interested in hearing your, your thoughts of how that came about and why you thought that was important. Yeah, I mean, it's really just an extension of our policies around flexibility for employees in general. We we started with a very flexible work environment. We sort of worked as, an, I mean, we almost worked 
GitHub like an open source project in the very early days where everyone that we would hire would come in and, and we'd all just kind of work on the bits that we thought were most necessary. We'd get together, we'd talk in IRC. We started in IRC for chat at the time. And so we just evolved it naturally in that way. And it seemed ridiculous to all of us that you would have a company that makes people be in an office at from you know nine to five or whatever the hours were and really a big part of the whole exercise of github and starting a company was to create something that looked like what we would want to work for right like can you create a company that you actually want to work for uh, it turns out i think a lot of people don't really think too much about that when they're starting a company they have other motivations but for us from the very beginning it was can we build something that that we've never had? Um, and so part of that was the flexibility, but part of it too was healthcare. And so from the very beginning, from the very, very earliest days of GitHub, we always covered healthcare at 100%. We never charged any of the premium. This is the United States, you know, so you can laugh at us with our primitive <laughs> healthcare system. And we do. And you do, as you as you are right to do so. Uh, but it's, I mean, the ridiculousness of that is something that was unacceptable for us, right? Like, so we always thought that that should be covered, right? If you're going to employ people to work for you and help you build the thing that you're building, they should be covered for healthcare. Like, this is this is the most basic thing that you need to do well in order to unlock people's creativity. You know, if someone's worried about their health or their children's health, how are they ever going to possibly do their best work, right? So you're only doing yourself a disservice as a company if you're not preparing your team members to be at 100%, to do their very best, most creative work. Right. So we always tried to, to create policies and have ways of doing things that would allow for that to happen. And so the paternity maternity is an extension of that philosophy, right? If you have a kid, you should have the ability to spend some time off and take care of that and for both the mother and the father. And I had a kid um, while at GitHub. I did not take full advantage of the time off. I was CEO and we had just, we were just raising our A round and it closed, we closed the A round, I think a day or two before our first kid was born. And so I'm like in the hospital with my wife like on my phone, like answering emails and setting up press interviews. And I think a day or two after uh, we took him home, I was in the dining room of our, of our place. We used to live down in Glen Park here in San Francisco in the dining room, like doing back to back press calls for like three hours, a couple of days after, after our oldest was born. So, I mean, this is, this is the hard thing though with, with this stuff. Like, yeah. What are, where is where is that balance? Do you want to take advantage of the of the generous time off, or are you like are there other things that are capturing your attention? And certainly, this is different for a founder than it is for a non-founder. Like the equations, the trade-offs can be different there, and I think the expectations should be different given the the levels of potential compensation. So for me, like you know, that was just part of the job. That was a thing that I had to do for the company. And I could still, you know, and then I did my calls and then I, you know, I was back doing, uh, you know, being with the wife and the kid. So, yeah. 
again, go. with this flexibility where you don't have to be in the office. Like, it's okay, like, I'll be at home and I'll do these calls from home. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. And there's only so much a dad can really do at the, at the, the start. And uh, we've been trying to design our, our parental leave policy. And we settled on for the, the non-birth parent, as it were, um, that they, would, they can choose when to take their parental leave within the first four years. So it's oh, not entirely cool. it's not entirely inappropriate for the 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 father to do work the day after. Like I, when I got sent home from the hospital the next day, I, I was sitting around for a long time, so I could have been working had I want. Did you feel Did you feel guilty at all with all that, Tom, or were you, were you okay with it? Um, I don't think I felt guilty. I mean, my wife's always been super supportive of of my work and and we we both try to do that for each other right we do that i mean we both travel a lot now and and it's that same thing it's like okay like we both have careers we both have change that we're trying to make in the world but we have our kids and if we can both just be around when the other one needs us then i think it it all can work out you just you take turns like so we do Mm -hmm. we do a lot of that our life with kids is really all about taking turns from the very beginning with with our oldest we always took turns with diapers like always Mm. always always Mm. always it's just like i do one and then you do one and then i do one and then you do one this way you know you you can't save up the really gross poop diapers for you know one person (laughs) it's just it's all happenstance of who gets right who gets which one and and uh and there's no way to game it and so we still we still do that right we have our 14 month old and we're, we're seven years now into changing diapers. I was trying to think the other day, like, to calculate how many diapers I've changed in my life. <laughs> and it's just a shocking, it's just a shocking number. But I think, I think it's, it's about that mutual support, you know, like each of you does what you can. And, and even, even if you're not nursing a child, you can still, you know, go to the store and get Rocky Road ice cream for your, for your partner, right? Like there's other things. Of course. There's oh, other sure. things to be done that, that are in the supportive side of things. And so having that time off, I think is really, really important. And, but I like your, I like your, um, your approach, Paul, that you mentioned about being able to take, uh, a, a non birthing parent leave at any time within a certain span, because that's like, that's really, I think that's really, that could be powerful, right? Because right. when your kid's older, they need different things. Or if you have a kid with special needs or something, you never know when that time might be, or just to have a time to enjoy with a, with a kid when they're, you know, two or they, you know, right. I, so I haven't heard of that approach before, but I really like that. Right. Well, I think Mike, you inspired it to me. You're, you're taking some parental leave now, aren't you? Yeah. And so the interesting thing, so with, with our eldest, like we did, I think, so GitHub was five months paternity at the time. Uh, so I think, or 20 weeks or whatever it was. So I did six weeks at the beginning and then I did the rest at the end by myself. And the interesting thing with the first time round, which is why your system pool would be quite useful would be, um, so my wife was entitled to a year over here of maternity leave. Um, and she went back to work early so I could kind of have three months off by myself kind of trying to do the, the solo dad thing. But I think this, the nice thing was like obviously I got to spend kind of nice quality time with the kids. I got to kind of like level up being a dad and stuff like that. But the the kind of unfortunate flip side was that meant that she couldn't take as long as she would have ideally taken if it were like 
Um, so the second time around, she's going to take a full year, and then I'm off right now for kind of a few months. And almost like the time, like it's it's nice, and we're being and I'm being useful and doing some sleep training, toilet training, etc. But you know, in an ideal world, I think I would probably do the same thing as last time, and I would have taken almost like a bit of time after she's back at work. But because of the way at the moment the policy is with GitHub, is it's in the first year, and in the UK, like again, women will often get. A full year off it means that you you end up almost like someone's got to kind of lose something somewhere so yeah so a system where it's kind of a little bit more staggered would kind of be useful in that regard for sure i thought that's what you were doing i must have obviously it's just genius on my part obviously uh, <laughs> tom you're doing a new startup that's right yes called chatterbug that's correct um has has any of this changed in your approach? Now you're doing it again. You're doing it over. You've got a chance to to, to do over. Or how, so, I mean, question: How does Chatterbug handle parental leave? Um, we so Chatterbug is mostly in Berlin, and so a lot of these questions are more answered when you get to them versus the United States, where right, in the U.S. Heard about it's this. like, oh, vacation. Like, do your employees really need vacation? Ah, eh, <laughs> like you can throw them a few days if you want, but. You know, you don't have. You're not mandated to do to give people any vacation. Right. And so in Germany, the the laws already dictate what the what the minimums are, and so we meet all the minimums, obviously. But usually, we'll go a bit over. We haven't had a, a lot of parents um, right. too much in Chatterbug. We're we're about 35 people now. We skew a bit younger. Uh, there's a couple of people. There is one woman that had a child recently, and she was out for several months. Um, so it's, I think it's the same, it's the same philosophy. We, we still bring that same kind of philosophy that we had to get up to Chatterbug as well. It's just ends up looking a little bit different in Europe, but it's still flexible work schedules. People work from home a lot. If they need to take delivery of something, if they have a child that they need to get to uh, kindergarten or, you know, the, what, what is the, the kind of preschool situation in Berlin, then you know they just they work whatever the schedule is mm-hmm. that makes sense for them. So it's inheriting all of those same policies, uh, but I can't say that it looks hugely different. And I think that's true for for a lot of companies that are trying to do this well. It's really about making time for parents to do what they need to do. And it's not even just parents, right? Like this could be this is for this is for children of aging parents. You have those situations as well. Mm. And I think to have a, a flexible system where you have sufficient time off to deal with life, that to me is the is the general umbrella under which we approach these these issues. And we just always want to make sure that we can accommodate people's needs. Because if you're not doing that at the end of the day, like what are you even what are you even doing? All this other stuff is irrelevant if you can't take care of your people. Agreed. Agreed. For sure. To circle back to something from earlier on as well, I think that the thing that I really love with what you were saying, Tom, as well, is like that that idea of flexibility being so important. And I I think this last year, I think it was um, my 10th year of working exclusively from home. And with being a parent, as much as I love the paternity leave, if I had to trade that in in exchange for like going back to an office where I have to be sitting in some particular seat between nine and five and I can't do errands or deal with stuff if kids are sick or whatever like i i feel like i would trade in the paternity leave like in an instant because it's good but that day-to-day just flexibility you have of like a 
you know, remote working and working from home and being able to kind of figure out your hours based on what works around your family is like it's it's nice before you have kids, but when you have kids it's it's just so fantastic. Particularly in my case where my wife her job is very they're very flexible in terms of she could drop a day a week and stuff like that if she wants to. But in terms of day to day, she's a physiotherapist, she sees patients and, mm. you know, her days are booked up, her calendar is sorted and she can't just get to work 15 minutes later because someone was sick or whatever it may be. So, yeah, it's it's so great, that flexibility. Yeah, and it, it covers a lot of situations, right? Parental leave, I think, is different because when you have a baby... That's like every moment of your day is is like either dealing with the baby or trying to sleep, right? Like that's it. That's your whole life, and uh, and so the the so that's that's an except like flexibility is not gonna you know cover that particularly well for some amount of time, but for other situations it absolutely does. And what we found really interesting in Berlin is that having that kind of flexibility is a pretty big advantage when it comes to hiring people because flexibility is not something that the Germans really embrace when it comes to Mm. a working environment. That is not the norm. It is very much the norm in Germany to have a nine to five or, you know, some very specific set hours of working. And that's, that's it, right? It's like, now you got to deal with, you want to get some furniture delivered? Like that's going to be a whole ordeal. I just, I don't know how people run their lives if they have to go to work. That's a really privileged thing to say, but it's it's. It... No, I I completely agree. Like once you live once you live with that flexibility for some amount of time, it's hard to understand how people can operate a normal life without being able to do that. Things like going to the dentist or or getting your car checked periodically. I just when would you fit that in if you had strict time to? But I guess you could. I don't know. Do you ask your manager for? I mean, this yeah, is... well, that's what you have to do, right? You have to ask for time off. You have to, you have to make an exception for every specific example of that, and so you reduce it to the absolute minimum number of right. of times that you do it. And I think it just it makes for it makes for a less joyful life where you where you're think where you're could... managing every second, and yeah. you have to stress about every every hour that you would have off, and how you're going to make up that time, and right. Mike, didn't we discuss this at, at Halloween where uh, in my kid's school there, there was a, a morning Halloween party at nine, eight, from 9 to 10 and there were for 11 kids there were only like two and a half parents at it and it was just so <laughs> it wasn't, it was sad for the kids but it was more sad for society that that's the society that doesn't allow their right. kids to go to the Halloween party for an hour in the morning yeah, right, right. That's that's a thing. We go to so many events at my oldest son's school. Like we're there, they do morning meetings in the morning. It's at at eight thirty. Drop them off. I take them to school many mornings and and go and and enjoy the morning meeting that they do with the whole lower school. Oh wow! It's thirty minutes long. It's from like eight thirty to nine. They do that Mondays and Fridays. And I go there, and and you know, there's not that many parents there because most parents have to go work. Right. And so, but, and they have, they do a lot of um, presentations. So on Thursday, they're going to have a science fair. I'm going to go see that. That's going to be awesome. They're going to have like their trifold, you know, posters and stuff. And, but it's, you know, it's like 930 in the morning or something, Mm. you know, and and it's, you know, we're always there because we can always be there, right? We have those flexible work schedules and, and we just, we go and do that stuff and it's super important. And we almost never miss, you know, these big things or performances, you know, like, 
he's he's in a bunch of after school things. He he's in a hip hop thing right now after school, and they're going to do a performance on I think tomorrow on on Wednesday, and we'll be at that. That's at like three thirty or four right. in the afternoon, right? And so all of these moments that your child has, if you live in a world where you don't get that flexibility to take that time out, like it's just it just seems wrong to me that you would that you would steal those experiences from people and yet it, it, it happens so frequently i i sat was sat next to a, a chap in a coffee shop the other week um must have been late 60s i guess or mid 60s and he was just like retirement just recently retired and he ran a property company and he he was very insistent on telling me all of the famous people or the influential people that he was hanging out with and he was hanging out with some PayPal executive and I was like that's okay that's cool, that's cool. and he's like I was he, he made sure to name drop that uh, he Bono's physiotherapist was treating him and I was like <laughs> yeah okay that's, that's good for you <laughs> and then he was like oh these people oh, they're, oh, they're very well to people very well to people and I was like yeah but are they happy and then his face just dropped and I was like oh no, what did I say <laughs> and he told me that he it was so sad <laughs> told me that his his kid is 23 or his son is 23 and he had traveled the previous year t- with him to take him to a rugby tournament um on the other side of the world and they were having pints together and his kid literally told me it was like oh dad um this is great thanks for taking me um but i just like it was really sad that you never came to my rugby games when i was a kid and i was just like his face just dropped he was like it hurts so much um i was I was pretty bad and I was like yeah my dad always came to my rugby games <laughs> <laughs> but this is do you know what it is it's like it's the, the cliches are so real and you can only defend yourself by doing it and you don't realize you're doing it until or maybe you don't realize you, you're not doing it until it's too late but showing up it's I mean it's so good to hear you say that showing up is important to you yeah absolutely I mean we have we have three like it's it's not mm. too bad right now because the other two are four and one and so they're not they're not quite into super activities all the time, but our oldest, you know, he has, he, he's, he ends up being scheduled quite a bit in the afternoons doing activities. And that's another thing that's hard to navigate is like scheduling your kid for activities and putting them in things. And like, are you stressing them out? And do they have time to be a kid anymore? And, but then, you know, he's like, I want to be in these things, but you're like, I don't know if you should be in these things. Like you need a chance to just, sit and play and be bored every once in a while and right but 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 yeah but i mean showing up is is super important and and sometimes we we have to divide and conquer you know like we'll each we make we try to make sure that one of us is at, is at every every possible like thing that that parents would be able to go to and that's we'll go right. well out of our way to do that and in those cases where where that's impossible for both of us then we'll send a grandparent we, we're very lucky to have my wife's parents living nearby and so they can stand in um we'll send a nanny you know if if that's what it takes then like we just always want someone to be there to to watch you know to be present i think it's just it's like showing up right like it's it's being interested in the things they're interested in i uh we tried to get together with one of our oldest classmates yesterday uh he's super into our seven-year-old super into minecraft Hmm. pretty pretty cliche uh but it's a great game and i actually i prefer it over many of the other things that he could be into because it's it leverages creativity it's actually hmm. it's it's very interactive it's not just 
it's not just consumptive and it's it's building right he's he was never into legos but for some reason he is into minecraft do you get it and do you understand what's what, what's happening I, I don't get it in minecraft oh yeah. i totally understand the allure of it i totally get it i and so um our seven-year-old was supposed to play with a classmate and oh man let me tell you getting minecraft set up and connected to another person is like way harder than it should be let me just let me just say that there the ipad version is a complete is also a completely different and incompatible version to the computer version which is written oh. in java anyway i'll not i'll try not to get off on a, a ranting <laughs> tangent about software development um but uh so he was supposed to play it turned out that that we were unable to get it to work by the time that that the this his friend needed to start practicing for a thing that they were doing at school the next day and so i was like you know what I'll play with you. I'll play with you. I haven't played this in a while. I'll play with you. So I got out the other iPad and I connected and we were able to get it to connect. And and we had a great time playing for like an hour and a half or two hours yesterday evening. And it was it was just, it was awesome, you know, mm -hmm. to spend that time building something together in the same world. And he'd come over and critique my sort of structure and I'd go over and, and kind of like <laughs> trash talk is and i don't know it was just a, it was just a really fun time so like those those That's kinds cool. of experiences are, yeah. are just so nice and we don't always get to have them you know we we're super busy we do a lot of events in the evening um and so we can't always be here for that after dinner time hmm. but uh but it was just yeah it was just it was it was magical and my wife and and our middle son are often in boulder for a few days and so it was just me and our seven-year-old and our one-year-old and the one-year-old was in bed and it was just nice. just to have that like one-on-one -on -one time in a house free of the chaos of a four-year-old was was pretty special cool yeah that's nice there's something you you mentioned there as well that i liked which was the idea as well about um it being consumptive sorry it being creative rather than consumptive and that, that's something I feel gets sometimes lost in some of the discussions about screen time and stuff like that to me. It's something that I always remember frustrated me when I was younger about the the difference, there being tr no difference in how sometimes like creating something on your computer is treated to just blindly watching whatever TV right. program is right. on the you know terrestrial stations right now. And it's it's something kind of, I hope, you know, my eldest is two and a half, so he's not yet doing a lot of creation. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, it's something I kind of hope when he's a bit older, kind of with things like iPads and gaming and things like that, to try and like nudge him towards that type of stuff. Whereas you say like things like Minecraft, where you can actually make stuff, you know, and you're not just eating some script that someone else is as as pre-populated for you which is the same as you know millions of other people have but you're doing something unique which you know no one else has has done before and, and you know even if it doesn't physically exist i do think it's there's something really cool about kind of the increasing number of games and experiences you can have now on computers and tablets where you can do that you know you can create mm. things and and interact in in that way rather than just consuming stuff that yeah. other people have made our three-year-old gets 10 minutes of youtube every every <laughs> afternoon before dinner it's a, uh, that's the danger zone yeah well he watches very specific stuff and we we're always in the room with him because he did he did click into some weird stuff so it's he's, a, he's a flat earther now 
<laughs> well, he knows all about teenage angst, let's say. <laughs> he watched a couple of age-inappropriate things. Um, but he, we sent, I sent him upstairs to get the iPad yesterday, and we just heard this voice, I've been taking pictures! <laughs> there was just this brilliant little photo trail on the iPad. Of nice. Pictures of his feet on the stairs and then like interesting things, close-ups that he'd taken as he wandered in. Completely unprompted. And the reason he'd gotten onto the camera app was because he was he'd slid the iPad across on the login screen. He'd, he's able to log in, but he didn't. And it was just brilliant. And so it prompted me to tell him that um, the, the two things he can get whenever he wants, for as long as he wants, are listening to music or stories or audiobooks um, and doing creative stuff like photography on the iPad. It was like, I was like, yeah, you don't don't need to worry anytime any most times i think i said most of the time you'll be able to do that if you want that's yeah uh, that was really i think that's a i think that's a great way to do it and the whole issue of screen time obviously is so controversial today and and we don't even we don't even really know like how that affects right. kids uh, like ours growing up it's been so such a short amount of time that that kids mm-hmm. growing up have mm-hmm. had access to these like our childhoods were completely different than than what our kids are growing up yeah. with technology wise, right? Like yep. there was no, I grew up with no, no, in, there was no internet, right? Mm. I was like, I want to order something. I'm going to get out the catalog. <laughs> I'm going to choose something. I'm going to probably mail them cash. And then I'm going to wait eight weeks. And that was my, like, that was my experience with sticking like, coins to, and tokens <laughs> and from the back of the cereal box. Whoa. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but, but, um, as far as the the iPads, iPads and tablets and things like that go, I think that's it's really good to draw that distinction between consumptive and, and right. creative right. behaviors because, I mean, we all we have all benefited so much from having computers when we were young, and so they're obviously not bad, right? I mean, I started using computers when I was probably around ten, hmm. and but it was all creative. Like there was not there was nothing to consume really, right? Like you had to make your own stuff or there were some like games but they were all pretty painful early on and then the internet comes along and now you start to get more into consumption but there was also like chat rooms and things where you could sort of discover the larger world and there's so much power in that i think it's about responsibly using these devices in the right circumstances so for us for instance the kids can't use their ipads at home and we don't have a tv set up in the house, when we moved from our last place a, a little over a year ago, we decided not to bring the TV. Now, we did actually set up like a projector and a screen in the family room, but we wanted something that wasn't there that you could stare at. And so the screen is retractable into the ceiling and we can just make the whole thing disappear. And then there's just like no presence of a TV. It is just, you know, a room with a, some big cabinets in it for toys and a bunch of foam padding on the ground and these big foam blocks that we got the kids to play with that like these kind of ramps and big squares and tunnels and things. And so the, the room is just a disaster of toys, but you can eliminate the presence of the TV because we still like to do what we really like to do is have what we call pizza pasta movie night on Fridays mm-hmm. where we order a pizza and our seven year old for, I don't know, three years would refuse to eat pizza <laughs> like a, like a, like a savage <laughs> and and it I don't even know what group. I don't even know what that means, right? To not to not eat pizza, but um, so he would have pasta. So we call it the pizza pasta movie night. But we sit down, we choose a movie, and we all have that time together. And like I I really like that. But I like the TV in the house to be this very separate event that you do, right? Mm. It's not like all right, I'm bored, turn on the TV, and they can't because it's not there. 
And uh, but then you can have this nice kind of weekly thing that's that's just really relaxing for everyone and a good time, and and, and we're all together. Mm-hmm. That's great. We've tried to tr- to train restraint in in what you said there, like responsibility. And I I just can't get over how successful we've been, and maybe it's personality type. Um, an example, like so, our kid tends to our eldest three-year-old going on four tends to wake up early and this morning i had to bring the baby down to the kitchen to feed him and the three-year-old stayed in bed and i was like okay you can watch one show and then come down the stairs when when you're done and like clockwork 20 minutes later he just pottered down the stairs and it's wonderful because for at the start i could see the addiction and i guess we just tried to encourage restraint so he gets his 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 video for 10 minutes and then he chooses his one for the next day and he's happy with that and it closes and it's it's good but i I guess that's a personality type thing maybe that he's accepted that um yeah we haven't always been quite that lucky we would go through periods where it would be we would have to revoke all screen privileges for like we'd just be like this is this is completely out of hand and he would our oldest would get so upset yeah if if he couldn't continue watching or whatever and and so our policies sort of shift over time but i like the one that we have right now no ipads at home Hmm. we use them for for traveling which we do quite a bit of so they get them on the airplanes and other than that i mean they're they're basically used for travel we do for tv like five to five thirty which is basically like when dinner is being prepared to when dinner is ready and that's the the kind of tv time and he sits on the sofa and watches tv and it's nice because he although he likes watching tv and he would probably rather do it than a lot of things he likes eating more so (laughs) no matter how engrossed he is if once you tell him like dinner's ready then he'll kind of rush through normally rush through and say is it pasta i want pasta um and yeah, and e- even when it's not past eight, tends to not go back to the TV. So <laughs> it's it's a nice way of sort of ending things without any any sort of I don't know drama. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That was a really good way of ending things without any drama. <laughs> well, so the the other one we've I've started doing with him like that. So his his one as well that he started doing recently is presumably just you know because I'm driving the car, he'll be like, oh, I want to sit in the front and drive the car, and. That's all well and good until he beeps the horn and I can feel my neighbors all like glowering at my house. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there was a kind of, it was a bit of a problem because I would let him do it and then it's like when you want him to come out, there's this massive like screaming battle of trying to extract him from the car and stuff like that. Um, and I was, it's kind of annoying because you kind of keep thinking like that there must be a better way of doing this. And what I've started doing, which has worked super well, like freakishly well the last few days, is like I say, okay, you can do that. You can hold the car wheel for 10 seconds. And then while he's holding it, I count down from 10 and then at zero, like just take him inside. And that, for some weird reason, like that seems to work. Like I'm surprised it kind of works that well. But just that kind of, I think, audible countdown that he knows that kind of, this is when well i I don't know i guess in in some ways maybe that makes sense i'm sure i heard some story or study or whatever about that that like the frustration kids have is often not the ending but the fact that like if they can't understand when and how something is ending then that's the frustration like if they know that almost like it's one episode or whatever it may be this is true of adults too if you think about it though really right it's like when was the last time someone walked up to you and was like i need you to do this thing right now or like you have to stop this activity right now right like it's not a very pleasant experience and you're like whatever man like i'm doing this thing and you can't tell me what to do 
Um, and that's like kids, that's like kids' lives over and over and over. Or like, yep. you have to stop doing this. You have to go do this. Like, they're always getting pushed around to do different mm-hmm. things. And so the we've had a lot of success as well with similar approaches where it's all about setting expectations and giving heads up, right? So you're at the park, and it's never like, okay, we're done. We're leaving right now, right? Like, when was the last time that worked well? It's always, okay, five-minute warning, mm-hmm. right? And then two-minute warning, yeah. right? And then one-minute warning. And then it's like, all right, do your last thing. And then we go. But you got to, you gotta like, totally lay it out. And just general expectations about how things work, especially for our oldest. He is into rules man rules are it's only one way though it's only it's only the you know that that he thinks that we've broken the rules but when he breaks the rules it's fine but when we break the rules or or even what he perceives as the rules so we have a lot of discussion we write a lot of things down there's a bunch of paper on the fridge that is all about here's how the evening works and the schedule and here's how eating works and one thing he'll do in the evenings is he would always He's not a big eater, so it's always hard to get him to eat enough at dinner. And then he would get hungry because he didn't eat a lot. And then he'd get hungry. And it's like 8, 15. And it's like, all right, like it's time to go to the bedroom. And we're going to do our last story. And then it's bedtime. And he's like, I'm hungry. And it's like, oh, my God. And then he would spend like a half an hour eating something. And so he would always use it as an excuse to stay up longer and longer. And so hmm. now we have rules about here's when you're going to get reminded about the last chance for a snack. It's at, it's hmm. at, you know, a quarter to eight. And you have to go get it entirely on your own. It can be whatever you want, but it's got to be entirely on your own as we've like eliminated all the ice cream that we used to have in the house because he would inevitably just eat ice cream. <laughs> and so... So then it's like, so now we have all these rules. And so for him, that's worked super well. I don't know that that's, our four-year-old doesn't operate in in the same way. Like they're very, very different. And so I'm not sure, I'm not sure quite yet what the strategies are going to be for him. But, you know, it's every kid is, is different. Like that's so fascinating. I never realized that, you know, before being a parent. I was like, okay, you have a kid and then you just get to like make them whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) No. No, <laughs> and then you put you put yourself in your parents' position. And I was like, that would never have worked on me. Right, exactly. But it's totally these strategies are totally different for for each child. It's wild. Right. It's so, but even like their likes and desires. I don't know. I find that so funny. Like, it's such a young age as well. Like my, well, I've always been super into kind of music. I kind of debated that high school whether i would kind of go into kind of computers or music and i figured like music was easier to do in my spare time and all this type of thing and i i always said to myself you know if i ever have kids i'm going to make sure like you know pretty much from birth i'm going to get them super into music and all this type of thing my two and a half year old he does not care at all <laughs> like if i'm like playing the guitar or whatever he's just like don't care like put it away don't like it and stuff like that and it's like and i've tried to like you know bring him into this and sort of embrace it and like still had for such a long time the idea that you know he'd be three and want to get really into like playing the guitar with me and we could start playing the drums together and all this type of thing but he's just like nah not into it dad not into not into that not into listening to music not into dancing to your music like just No, that that might change. We do the we do the kitchen. We've we've recently got into kitchen dancing, and it is wonderful. But it took a while to develop. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, they obviously have their own preferences and everything when they're when they're born. You kind of discover them as they as they age. But then you look at you look back at when they were a little younger, and you're like, oh, yeah, like your personality has always kind of been that. Hmm. Yeah. Is your seven year old sounds like he would get on pretty well with me? I'm like. 
in the evenings my, i like literally have everything like a time in my head for like when everything happens so like you know the first one goes in, i start running the bath for the first one at 25 past six he goes in at half past six he gets out at 22 the second one goes in the bath at quarter two he gets out at like right. i like literally like i will be like watching my watch sometimes my wife's like should we you know should we take him out the bath and i'm like in 33 seconds <laughs> like <laughs> I, I don't want to i don't know what it is about myself but i just i don't know i find like excessive structure like really it sounds like in some ways like your son like i find it really comforting to just be like i'm not going to think about this i'm just going to follow mm. just going to follow the schedule follow all the timings and then i don't have to think and we were all children once and are all totally. human and a lot of these strategies work the same for adults and children really yeah yeah Tom, where can people find you on the internet if they want to hear more about what you're doing and stuff like that? I'm pretty easy to find. You can go to tom.preston-werner.com or find me at mojambo on Twitter and everywhere else. And my, my email is easy to find if you want to email me or whatever. I'm, I'm quite accessible. Well, thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. So good. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Balancing Dads. You can find us on Twitter at Balancing Dads and me at Mike McQuaid. You can find Paul on Twitter at PaulCA. Have a good week.